You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Making a home for joy, okay? And so um, uh, it's going to be a great day. I hope today that you walk away with um, just feeling the sense of God's joy on your life and the understanding that He desires for you to be joyful and, and maybe, maybe you find yourself today in a place where you're not feeling so joyful, where you're not in, in the holiday spirit, let's say, and, and you just kind of go, man, what's going on? Well, today as we look at the Word of God, what we're going to see is God's design, God's plan for making a place in our heart, a home for His joy. And so we're going to talk about what that is and how that happens, and... Um, and so, uh, before we start, I want to tell you a little joke, and uh, I hope this isn't, um, it's, not, it's not bad, all right? <laughs> we'll just leave it at this. There was um, a bus full of 10 very, very unattractive people um, that got into a wreck, and uh, they went before God. And when they're before God, God said, listen, 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 it's not your time yet, but instead I'm going to grant you one wish. And so the first person said, look, I'm tired of being unattractive. I wish that I was gorgeous. And so God snapped his fingers and boom, they were gorgeous. The next one said, well, hey, me too. Man, I'm tired of looking this way. Make me beautiful. And God, boom, you're beautiful. And one by one, they all wished the same thing. And as God got to the very last person, he found that person laughing hysterically. Just, just you know, buckled over in laughter. And God said, what are you laughing for? And he, the guy looked at God and said, I just wish they were all ugly again. <laughs> uh, that, there's no theological truth to that. That will never happen. Don't worry. But I just wanted to get you laughing, get you smiling. So let's talk about joy this morning. <laughs> why, why do we need joy in our life? Why do we need joy? What, what is joy? God's design for joy is, is, is different than maybe our understanding of joy. Because a lot of times, our perception, our understanding of joy is rooted in the idea of happiness. And happiness, what we're going to discover today, is important. And God does want you to be happy. But there is a difference between God's type of joy, the joy that God gives, and our understanding or our definition of happiness. Because often, not every time, but often, our definition of happiness is based on our experiences, isn't it? We feel happy when things are going our way. We feel happy maybe when we're eating a type of food we really enjoy, or around somebody that we really enjoy their company, or we get something new and shiny that we really love or we really wanted, whatever it is. But what often happens with that definition of happiness is that it's fleeting. It goes away, doesn't it? It only lasts as long as the experience lasts. And then we find ourselves grasping for something else to fill that void of joy. And we can't find it, can we? But God has a better definition. Because His definition of joy is not based on a circumstance. It's based on who He is. But before we can receive God's joy and, and understand how to make that alive in our life and make a home for it in our heart, we have to know why we need it. God has purposed joy in us. Do you know that joy is one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit? That joy is something that God actually comes from Him? And anytime the Bible uses a descriptive word like joy or love or peace or patience, it's because God is the very definition of that word. 
God is, is not, love is not something that God does. Love is who God is. Joy is not something that God does. Joy is who God is. And so there's an importance to that, that God desires for us to live and that the reality of the abundance of who he is. And so he invites us into this place of allowing the Holy Spirit to make a place in our heart for joy. The scripture tells us there's two reasons or two things that stick out about why we need joy. Because joy makes us strong. It makes us strong first in our flesh. How many of you know that allowing God to make you joyful, your heart joyful, will make your flesh strong? It will keep you healthy. Well, how do you know that? Well, because Proverbs 17.22 tells us that. Listen to what Proverbs 17.22 says. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. I don't know about you. I don't want brittle, dry bones. I want my spirit, my flesh to be alive. I want to take what is good medicine. And the scripture tells us that joy is good medicine. You know why? Because if you are smiling and if you are laughing and your heart is filled with joy, you're not going to be crying. You're not going to be depressed. You're not going to be discouraged. Is it possible to have a smile on your face and be truly joyful and be depressed and discouraged? No, it's not. Not unless you're faking that smile, but when God has put joy in your heart, then, then those things get pushed out of the way. And those things that sometimes we get accustomed to living our life based on, because isn't it true that sometimes we're, we're more accustomed to listening to the, the things that are discouraging or depressing about our life and living our life in accordance to those things, that those things can actually make us sick. Isn't it amazing that the Scripture tells us this? And part of your healing, even in your natural physical body, it comes by understanding God's definition of joy and allowing the Holy Spirit to make a home in your heart for joy. But it goes on further to say that joy makes us strong, not just in our flesh, but also in our spirit. In Romans 15, 13, it says this, May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that the power of the Holy Spirit may abound in hope. Now I want to just talk about this for a second and explain how joy makes us strong in our spirit. Because one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is it drives us into a place of future and hope. It puts us into a place where our tomorrow is filled with future and hope. Isn't that the message of grace? Stop and think about this for just a second. You know, even Paul talks about this, doesn't he? He says things like, forgetting about my yesterday, leaving those things behind. I press forward into the high calling that Jesus Christ has called me to. What is he saying? He's saying this, that the Spirit leads us into a future and a hope. But this future and a hope it comes with joy. It comes with joy. There needs to be something about your tomorrow that makes you joyful. But there can be nothing about your tomorrow absent of what the Spirit of God is doing that you can be joyful about. Do you know that? 
See, God loves you so much, and he leads you by the Holy Spirit in such a way, in such a way that he causes your tomorrow to be filled with hope and to be filled with joy, and that makes you alive. When we begin to understand the things that God has put in front of us, when we begin to allow the Holy Spirit to make a a place in our heart, a home for joy inside of us, our tomorrows are filled with hope and they're filled with life. When God leads us and calls us into something, it comes with hope and joy. So we need joy because it keeps us strong in both our flesh and our spirit. But how do we get joy in our life? How do we keep joy inside of us? And I believe the Bible gives us just a few keys on how we do that. So I want you to to listen this morning as we go through these. Maybe take some notes. Maybe all of these things jump out at you. Maybe one or two of them jump out at you. But I want you to, to hear this because if you are missing joy on a regular basis in your life, I can promise you that there's a key in God's word that we're going to talk about this morning that will apply to your life that you can immediately take and use and put in your life and it will begin to transform the way that you see joy. All right, the first thing that we have to do is this. To keep joy inside of us is that we have to separate our circumstances from our ability to receive joy. We have to separate our circumstances from our ability to receive joy. Let me read a scripture to you in James 1, 2 through 4. It says this. And this is going to sound like complete nonsense to you. You guys ready? That's right. I'm reading you a scripture and I'm telling you it's going to sound like complete nonsense to you. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let's stop, and I just want to read the first part of that again to you. You ready? It says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Stop. That is absurd. That is nuts. That is contrary to how most of us look at our life whenever we're faced with with trials or experiences that are not fun to go through, don't we, right? How many of you wake up in the morning and you're like, yes, it's coming at me from all sides. Woohoo! Nobody does. Nobody goes, yes, what a great day of pure joy. Everything's going wrong. Nobody does that. Why? Because it is not natural for us to do. Instead, we make a laundry list. We get on Facebook and we tell the world everything that's going wrong. We just get into and we want to hover down, curl into a ball and go, I wish this day was over. But the scripture tells us something different. And here's why. It's because stuff is going to happen. There's not one person in this room that stuff hasn't happened to you. And there's going to be more stuff that will happen to you. Oh, great message, Pastor. I love it. No, listen, it's okay. Why? Because your circumstances don't dictate your joy. And this is what this scripture is telling us right here. Is that in order to have joy in your life, you've got to separate your circumstances from the reality of God's joy. 
That's why James writes this by the Holy Spirit and says, listen, when you see these things, you have to change your perspective. You've got to get your eyes off of the stuff that's happening and look to a higher spot. You gotta look to a better spot. You gotta look to what God is doing. Because if all you do is keep your eyes on the stuff that is going wrong around you, that is gonna become your future. But if you choose to look to a better spot at what God is doing, and as you go on and you read the rest of the passage that we read in James, verse 2, 3, and 4, what you see is this is a truth that God is still leading your life despite the circumstances of your life. And it is possible when we gain his perspective to have joy because we trust him and we know that he is working something in our life that is perfecting us. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, this is what you and I want and need. Is that we need God to make something inside of us that is complete, This word here that we read in James, this complete, mature, lacking nothing, means this, that it's impenetrable, meaning that nothing can come against it. How would you like that? Maybe there's an area of your life that you find when this particular area starts to go wrong, all of the joy is sucked out of you. How would you like to have victory in that area where no matter what happened or how often it happened that you could always have joy, then the answer comes in this. Stop looking at your circumstances. Start looking to God and what God wants to do. Begin to trust Him because He is going to bring you to a place that is going to mature you and complete you so that whatever it is that has been sucking your joy no longer has the authority to do that anymore. See, God is perfect. He is complete. He loves you. He is securing you. He is providing a future for you. When we choose to see what God is doing, and we do not look just at the circumstances of our life, then it puts us in a place where we can receive joy. I know this isn't easy. I know it seems like it's pretty easy for me to get up and just make just a, a statement, a spiritual statement about this. Listen, we've all been in that place. We've all been in that place where we face the trial, something that really pushes against us, that hurts our hearts, that causes us to struggle, that brings us into a place where maybe we even get on the cusps of feeling depressed. But I want to tell you something. The truth of God's word still stands. He does love you and he can bring you into joy. And all it takes is this, and none of us have done this perfectly. So I want to declare grace to you right now in the name of Jesus. Because this is what I want to say to you. It's okay if you go back and forth on this a little bit. Because he is still going to complete and mature and perfect you. And if you fail one time, if you stand up and say, God, I'm going to keep my eyes on you. And I'm not going to look at my circumstances. But a few days or even a few hours down the road, you take your eyes off of what God says, and you begin to look at the things that are in front of you, it's okay. When you realize that and the Holy Spirit brings that to your attention, just put your eyes back on Jesus. Put your eyes back on Jesus. He will sustain you. He will sustain you. Okay? The second thing is this, and this is a good one. I want you to see this here. Because I know that 
a lot of times, this is the season that we really begin to think about this, and so it's important for us to think about this all the time. But another key to keeping joy in our life and making a home for joy inside of us is by helping somebody else focus and find joy. Helping somebody else find joy. I want to read to you a very uh, unique scripture here in Philippians 2. We're going to bite off a chunk here. I want to read this to you. Verses 1 through 11. It says this. This is Paul talking. And he says this right into the church in Philippi. He says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. By being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Now listen to this. In relationship with, uh, with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow and in heaven and on earth And under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's what Paul's saying. I want you to see this. Because Paul uses the ultimate example of Jesus Christ to prove this very powerful point about making a home for joy inside your life. It comes when we begin to put other people's joy in front of ours. He uses the example of Jesus here that is so powerful. And he says something about this. This is how we do this. As we begin to put other people's joy in front of our own, this is what takes place, what has to happen. This is what Paul says. When we begin to consider somebody else's need above our own, to consider somebody else's need above our own. i got to be real honest with you. Can we just have a moment of like pure vulnerability right here? Just me and a couple of friends? I'm not super good at that. Right? I know what I like. (laughs) I know what I enjoy. Come on. Everybody close your eyes right now, all right? Close your eyes right now. If you're like me, raise your hand. Everybody's eyes are closed. Thank you for your honesty. Oh, praise the Lord. All right. Okay. You just made me feel better. All right. I thank you all, all 25 of you for raising your hand. All right. Um, uh, Listen, this isn't easy. It's not easy to take and just put somebody else's needs Above ours. That's why Paul uses the example of Jesus Christ. You know, this is the only time in Scripture that we see this laid out the way that it's laid out. In this form, in this style of writing that Paul uses here, this is the only time because Paul is making a very specific point about the mindset of Jesus Christ as it pertains to the way we treat other people. And he starts off by saying, he did not look at God and say, it's not fair. Jesus did not look at God and go, no, why me? Why do I have to go? Why do I have to give up the place of authority in the place of heaven? 
the place of rulership to go down, and I'm going to use my own words, but it's spelled out in the Greek, to the trash can of earth. Why do I have to give up the glory of heaven to go down to this place? And the scripture tells us that Jesus' mindset, his attitude, was not, this is unfair. Instead, what it was is that he came as a servant, meaning this, that he put the needs of you and I above his own interests. He saw what needed to take place in us. And this is what it means to put somebody else's joy in front of our own. And if you're in a slump of your joy and you can't find joy for yourself, oftentimes, and I want to, this is very true, this is very sincere, it's easier to help somebody else find joy, but in doing that, it unlocks joy inside of you. This is what Jesus did. When we begin to look at other people's interests and understand that there's things that they're walking through and become compassionate to them and understand them and take the time. Let, let's, have, let's have a heart-to-heart here, okay? Um, because this, this scripture requires us to look at this a, a different way. Is that in our culture, we are way too comfortable, even with people that we consider friends, at only getting into the surface in our relationships. But joy, in the area of giving joy and helping somebody find joy, says something different. It says that we take the time to understand what's going on in somebody else's life. Because when we stop looking at just the things that we're going through and overvaluing the circumstances of our life, and seeing the problems of our life as the only problems that exist in the world, and we begin to look at other people's needs, and we begin to empathize with the problems they're walking through, and we begin to lend spiritual and emotional attention to those things, it opens up the door for joy to come. It makes an impact. See, this is why Paul uses Jesus' example. Why? Because none of us, none of us can deny the impact that Jesus made. But Jesus didn't come by. Aren't you thankful? I know I'm, 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 preaching, I'm preaching this one point quite extensively, but I want you to please hear this. Because this is what Paul's saying. I thank the Lord. My joy is complete. Joy comes into our life when we have the same mindset as Christ Jesus concerning how we treat each other. But aren't you glad that Jesus, when he walked on the earth, he didn't just get lost in the the big picture. He didn't just say, hey, I came to redeem mankind. Like, I I just came to do that job. I'm going to do that job, and then I'm out. I'm going back up to where I belong. I'm here. I know what I came to do. I'm God. I'm man. I'm the perfect sacrifice. But don't you love when you read the Gospels that Jesus paid attention to the widow woman who just lost her only son and was walking through the streets for days with the crowd following her mourning because she wasn't being dramatic, but she was broken. 
And Jesus didn't just walk by because it just wouldn't have been mentioned in the Gospels at all. But he didn't just walk by and go, that's not my business. That's not why I came. But he looked at her as if everybody else was walking by because it just got deaf and muted in their ears because they've been used to it and accustomed to it. But he stopped and he turned and he walked to that woman and he said, woman, why are you crying? And he looked at what was dead and he brought it to life. Aren't you glad? Because Jesus understood that in order for joy to come, he had to bring joy to somebody else's life. And oftentimes when we reach into and begin to meet the needs of other people, we begin to unlock joy in them. When we promote the interests of someone else, Listen, if you take just a simple gesture, stopping your day to encourage somebody, you're promoting joy in them. When you begin to acknowledge something in them that God is doing, if you're a parent with your child, if you're a coworker, no matter what the situation is, spouses, when you take the time to do that, you are promoting joy. And as you promote joy in other people, what happens is what Paul wrote is that it completes your own joy. Number three, Jesse, come on up, man. In order to make a home for joy inside of us, we have to activate our faith to increase our joy. Now, this kind of ties into some other things I've said, but I want to speak to this for just a second, just specifically Again, another a little strange verse in context, but there's a lot of truth packed into it. In Matthew 4, 4, this is at the, what we call Jesus in the wilderness where he's being tempted by Satan. And the first thing that Satan says to him, this is Jesus' response. Jesus answered and says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. But listen to this, because Jesus is quoting in the, from the Old Testament. It says, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. If you want to make a home for joy inside of you, you have to begin to feed yourself on what is true. You have to activate your faith. That means this, simply put, is that you need to get into the Word of God. One of the greatest enemies of our joy sometimes comes from the voice inside our own head sometimes happens because of the negative self-talk that we have inside of our head. Tomorrow's not going to be good. You're, you're an idiot. You're stupid. There's no future. There's nothing exciting to look forward to in life. And we begin to feed into and, and, and hype up, if you would, some of the negative experiences of our life. And the greatest way that we can combat that, the only way actually we can combat that, is by feeding ourselves on the right things. It, it's, quite, it's quite an amazing thing. See, because I, I, I want to tell you this, this. The absence of joy isn't just kind of middle of the road. The absence of joy in our life is, is really just us being miserable. And so here Jesus in this situation that he is being tested, tempted, 
And remember, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into this place. Quite interesting. And the enemy, after 40 days, comes up to him and tries to put something out in front of him and say, look, turn these rocks to bread. Eat. You're hungry. In 40 days, yeah, he's hungry. But Jesus makes this profound statement that rings true into almost every area of our life, but it is very true about how we maintain joy. Man will not live by bread alone, but out of from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. See, when we begin to eat a steady diet of what is truth, and truth from the Word of God, and truth from what comes out of the the mouth of God, and I understand that there's folks here that maybe struggle with hearing God's voice, but I want to tell you simply how to hear God's voice is start in the Word of God. Start in the Word of God. If you begin to make a steady diet of reading the Word of God, of listening and hearing God's promises because the entirety of the Bible is chock full from Genesis to Revelation of the promises of God, the truth of God for you, the life and the future and the hope of God for you. If you begin to listen to that, and the promise for the Word of God is this, is it doesn't just stick to your eyes and to your mind and to your head, but it seeps into your heart. It seeps into your spirit and it begins to produce what only the Word of God can do is it begins to produce life. Is that it will begin to push out those other thoughts. You're going to begin to understand what is true and what is false. And those things that maybe you've been on a bad cycle of listening to, those things are going to get quieter and quieter until you realize that they're not true. But what is true? God's Word, who He is, His promises, bring joy. Bring joy. And finally, last piece of the puzzle, in order to make a home for joy inside of you, you have to keep yourself in a positive place. Philippians 4, 4, and then 8 through 9, it says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. That means to produce joy. Produce joy. Verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What you have learned and received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Here Paul again, talking to the church in Philippi, says this, listen, if you're going to cultivate an attitude of joy, if you're going to rejoice to be able to bring up joy at will from the heart of God in from you, then you're going to have to spend time in the right place thinking about the right things around the right people, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if it's excellent or praiseworthy, these things surround yourself with. And all this does concerning joy is brings us into a place where we allow the Holy Spirit to take an inventory of our life. Because if we desire joy in our life, if we desire to have that, then we have to allow the Holy Spirit to take a bit of an inventory to see what we're spending our time surrounding ourselves with. Are we feeding ourselves with negative things? 
Are we spending time around negative people? Are we a negative person? Some of us, listen, maybe you're that negative person. And it's time to allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in your life to say, listen, that's not who I was created to be. That's stealing my joy. That's taking me out of a place of life and a future and a hope. But instead, I need to be a person who is encouraging, be a person who is filled with life that speaks the truth of what God says. I need to be around those types of people. Maybe the best decision you can walk away from today, the thing God is saying to you, is that it's time to change what you're surrounding yourself with. It's super practical, super simple, but it can be so powerful, can't it? Just by changing our surrounding, it makes a difference in what, in what we receive in the way of joy. Maybe it's time to shut down some of the things you're watching and you're looking at. Oftentimes when we're going through a struggle or something that is a bit of a trial in our life, the temptation to go and search out information, to go and to surround ourselves with something, it fills our head, it overwhelms us. And we go looking for things whether it's online or asking people. How many have been in that situation before? I know I have. And we find ourselves in that place, and all it's doing is sucking the joy and the life out of us, isn't it? And see, this is why God wrote this. Because I want to tell you something, and this is the, ba- the best position of faith. This is, why, this is why God works and why faith works, is because there will be times in your life There will be times in your life where you have to stand on what God says and only what God says. And in those times to keep your joy, in those times to make sure that your joy is not depleted or stolen, you got to surround yourself with what is true, what is pure, what is lovely, what is excellent, what is praiseworthy you got to surround yourself with that truth. you got to surround yourself with people who are going to keep you focused on those things, right? you got to spend your time looking at the things that are going to keep you in the place of thinking about what is true, about what God says. Because in that place, you're able to rejoice, to pull up joy on demand. And say, I'm not happy because of my circumstance. I'm happy because of what God says. And what God says is true. And that brings joy to me. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you this morning. I pray that as we wrap this up today, and I pray for you that maybe there's a place in your life, maybe today you're walking and you're going, man, this is when my joy picks up. Hallmark movies are on. Yeah, oh yeah, some of you just looked at each other like, you know, that's right. I'm on a binge and Hallmark movies in my house. Praise the Lord. Oh my gosh. I have to, anyways, that's another sermon for another day. (laughs) You're like, this is the happiest time of the year. How many of you guys, let me just ask you a question. Let's just have fun fun. How many of you guys are straight listening only to Christmas music right now? Thank you. Oh, my gosh. I'm finding all my friends here today. All right. Thank you. That's me, too. I'm like, it's hey, after Thanksgiving, 92.5 is straight Christmas. All right. Come on. <laughs> Just letting you know.
<laughs> you're like, yes, this is the happiest time. But some of you today, you're in a place where you're like, I, I wish I could be more joyful. I wish I could be more joyful. But if you would take, if you would take something from the Word of God today, the understanding that God desires for you to be joyful. He desires it for you. God did not bring you on this earth for you to be miserable. So that means this. If you're walking through something, whether it's because you are going through a tough place, God is greater than that. He is greater than that. And I don't want that to be cheap, and I don't want that to be something that's cliche. I want that to be truth for you today. And so as we pray this morning, I want you just to kind of just stretch yourself out a little bit and say, God, if that's me, if that's you today, to say that's what I want. Is that I want to receive the joy from you that is greater than my circumstance. But God, I'm going to look at you at the truth of who you are. Maybe somebody today says, I'm going to just promote joy in somebody else. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to encourage somebody. Maybe some of you today say, listen, I got to focus on the word. I got to have more of the word in me because I need to live off of that diet and not the things around me that I hear, not the stress, not the hustle and the bustle, but the truth of the word. God, I need to surround myself with the right people. Give me the strength. Give me the courage to do that. Father, this morning, I thank you, Lord, that your grace is upon every person here. That, Lord, when you bring us to the revelation of your word, that you're inviting us to an exchange. God, that you're taking some of the things that we're walking through, some of the heaviness and the circumstances, the Maybe it's, it's even sin, God. Maybe there's some things in our life that we've just fallen short. But God, you look at us and you understand. This is because you are the good Father. And in your grace, you come to us and you invite us into an exchange. That you give us who you are. And you take our shortcomings and our weaknesses and our struggles and our burdens You take those off of us and you give us the truth of who you are. The truth of your joy, the truth of your word. You make an exchange. And so, Holy Spirit, today, in this moment, Lord, those who are under the heavy burden of a circumstance, God, where joy is absent, I'm asking you to take off the heaviness of that circumstance. I know the circumstance may not go away, but God, you said in your word that in spite of that, the joy would come. And Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would begin to just bring joy based off of the truth of your word, God. That you are completing a promise, making us mature, lacking nothing. God, I thank you for that. Lord, give us the strength and the courage to bring joy to other people. Give us the strength and courage to put ourselves around the people and the things that will bring and promote your joy in us. Lord, help us to be a people that live from the very mouth of God, the Word of God, that hunger and thirst for that, to hear your voice, to receive your Word of truth. Lord, I thank you. 
Lord, for those today that are brokenhearted, be healing. For those today, God, that are broken in their physical bodies, Lord, be healing in life and health. Lord, I thank you, Father. This is why you came. Jesus, this is why you are Emmanuel, God with us. That you came, and you came, and you did not consider it unfair to come to this place because you loved what the Father loved. And you loved us. And we thank you for that, Jesus. And we receive that gift that you gave Jesus today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Would you stand to your feet, please? Thank you for being here this week. I hope that you had a great Thanksgiving. I hope that you get to eat a lot of candy canes. I know that I will. I hope that you get to eat those candy cane Hershey Kisses. They're so delicious. I love them so much. Hmm. Okay, I love this season. All right. It's a good day. Why don't you all smile? Just thank the Lord. Sometimes, you know, getting joy in our life just requires a smile. Start with a smile, okay? Start with a smile. It's okay. (laughs) Father, I just declare your grace upon every person here. Lord, let your life abound in them through the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen, amen, amen. We look forward to seeing you guys on Wednesday. We'll be back with our groups on Wednesday. Look forward to seeing you then. Have a great week. We'll see you Sunday also.